all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Carl Mangum, also an Associate Professor of Nursing at UMMC. And today we are going to be talking about depression and anxiety and suicide. So if you have a question, a comment, or a story that you want to share with us today, we would love to speak with you. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 877 672-7464 and my email is fit at mpbonline.org We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor at UMMC. And in the studio with me today is Dr. Carl Mangum, who is also faculty with the School of Nursing at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And his other uh, specialty is the fact that he is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner um, for the School of Nursing as well. And that's going to be a lot of what we're talking about today. We can cover anxiety and depression, and we also want to talk about suicide prevention and how we have those conversations with people in our lives and get them connected to the resources that they need in order uh, to get help. So if you have a question or a comment or a story that you want to share, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And you can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Dr. Mangum. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Oh, I'm glad you're back uh, in the studio with us. You're uh, an expert on a wide variety of topics, so you're not new to the show. You've been on um, when we've talked about disasters, and actually next month is Disaster Preparedness Month, so I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about some of those things. But you have been a in the field of mental health for quite a while, right? 24 years. 24 years. So tell us kind of what your experience has been in mental health. What all have you done? Uh, I've had a wide range of experience uh, from working at the state hospital at Whitfield uh, to uh, now being a nurse practitioner in practice. Um, and uh, I've kind of run the gamut of, uh, of it all, uh, inpatient, uh, outpatient, um, and um, it's, uh, it's been a truly, in my mind, a really truly satisfying experience. I've seen a lot of people get better and mm-hmm. be able to move on with their lives. And, you know, I think that there's, and I know that there is, a huge amount of stigma around just the word mental health or what we used to say, mental illness, which I actually prefer the term mental health um, instead of mental illness, but both are are acceptable out there. What's not acceptable is the word crazy. Uh, That word needs to get thrown out um, because that's not what's going on here. These are real legitimate disorders. That's true. Um, It's um, one of the things that... um, I've really been pushing through the years, and uh, I've been teaching now for uh, 18 years at the medical center. And with all of our students that come through and with everyone that I can get an audience with, literally, is we have to take the idea of mental illness, and I do like mental health much better, mm-hmm. um, into the mainstream. It, it's no different. It's a disease process like diabetes, heart disease, cancer. It's just another disease process, but it mainly affects the brain. And so it's a brain disease, mm-hmm. and um, 
Um, when we when we're talking with people, um, many in society just think, well, you can will yourself to feel better. All oh, we need to the old adage: pull yourself up by your bootstraps right. and and just make yourself feel better. You need to get up and do something, or get up and eat something, or whatever the case may be. But we don't tell people with cancer, well, hey, you just just make yourself feel better. You have cancer, right. and you can get rid of it, right. or heart disease, or high blood pressure, or anything else. And, um, you know, one of the crippling things in the United States statistically is depression and anxiety. Um, it costs more work hours for humans uh, than any other disease processes out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are having a bad day and they don't do well at work or they call in or whatever the case may be. And part of it is, I think these days, too, um, the current culture that we live in and the time in history that we're in, uh, people have forgotten forgotten what normal is, and, right. and I'm being very careful. Right. And um, if you could see me, I'm putting He's normal air in quoting, quotes. Air quotes. Uh, normal because normal is really questionable, right. uh, usually at the moment. Um, but the the thing is, is how we cope with things, and that's really changed over the years. Where people grew up, um, and and. Families were more intact at the time. Um, there was less distraction because you didn't have, you know, um, when I was a kid, TV consisted of four channels. Right. And uh, if the president was on, you missed everything. Right, because so, he was on every um, channel. That's right. And the radio. Uh, <laughs> but but we learned to cope with things, cope with things at school, cope with things at home, um, cope with disappointment. And one of the things that I'm finding out in practice now is that many people, especially young adults, these days don't always develop good coping skills. Right. So when life throws them a curve, they have issue with it and do not know how to cope with it to return to what their normal is. And and I've started using that term a lot. What is your normal? Right. Because your normal may be a little different than my normal because we're different people. And that's okay. Uh, but are you leading a happy, healthy life? Are you meeting your life goals that you've set for yourself? Um, are you being a productive member of society, a productive, loving member of your family? Um, are, do you have active friends, uh, active, um, I don't want to say social life because those of us that do several jobs, we don't have a, yeah, a really big social life, life but no. we do have time that we're with family or friends and, right. and that we can share our hobbies and right. things that you, something that you find enjoyment in doing. Exactly. Because it, it is not normal that you will never have periods where you don't necessarily feel your best from a, from a mental health standpoint. There are periods of time where everyone is going to feel down or depressed or sluggish, depending on what uh, has happened in their life or at work <laughs> or, you know, with family. And, and that's okay. Yes. We, but one of the problems is just like those coping skills that you mentioned is what is, what is our plan for when those things right. happen so that we can kind of climb our way out of whatever it is that we're having a difficulty with at that time. We all face um, uh, two of the areas we call our situational uh, issues or maturational issues. Things growing up as we reach certain ages, certain things are expect expected of us. Mm -hmm. uh, we think of Erickson when we do a lot of the oh, Erickson, training yeah. uh, for, uh, for our nurses and for healthcare professionals at different stages of life uh, that we expect people to kind of reach and maintain mm -hmm. and move forward. Um, but with situational things, things happen in all of our lives that are situational, um, the, the, like the death of a pet, um, the loss of a job, um, two flat tires in one day is right. a, is a very stressful for someone been there, done that. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but little things, and it depends on where we're at in our life and how we're feeling that day of how that affects us. Uh, many of us have had an issue that affected us one day and it really, uh, put us back on our bottom and we had to stop and reevaluate a lot of things. Other times in our life, that same thing may happen to us and we may, ah, you know, it's not that big a deal. I need to move forward. Right. Uh, one of the things that I want to make sure that we get out there today is that when we're talking with humans, we're talking about three sides, the physical. And yes, there are physical things that go along with mental health Absolutely. and mental illness that, um, uh, we cannot bypass. That is part of it. The emotional side, and that's where most people think of the mental illness is the emotional side, and also the spiritual side. And those are the three sides that make up humans. And we have to address all three when we're talking about mental health, mm -hmm. um, 
And many times, many people only address one or two of them, and they leave the third one out, and that that's not a good recipe for success. Right. And so um, I just wanted to throw that out there to make sure everyone keeps that in their mind as they're themselves dealing or a family member or a friend or dealing with mental health issues. Right. And that kind of highlights the point that, in my medical opinion, the best outcomes that we get for people that are having mental health issues is a combination oftentimes of the medical management of it. So that may be medication, pills, pharmacotherapy, as well as counseling and support systems, um, because it takes sometimes it takes a combination of all of those to hit on all three of those parts uh, that are really impacting uh, someone's overall health. And it may not be that you have to stay on medicine forever, because I know lots of folks are resistant to medication. Um, But it may be that we got to start some medicine to kind of get you reset as far as deep being able to deal with some of these things, learning techniques and therapy and counseling. And then we may be able to kind of come down off of some of that medication. That's true. Um, as a provider, we, we, our goal is not put people right. on medicine for the rest of their life. Our goal is to get them to a point where they're better. And you're right. Statistically and research shows that medication and counseling together have the better outcome. And sometimes people just need someone to talk to. Sometimes medication is really not even needed Mm -hmm. uh, if we can get them to the right counselor and get some of that stuff off their chest, Mm -hmm. off their mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's important. So that's why it's important to see a mental health professional um, to help get through some of that and make the right decisions. Um, sometimes it's difficult with some of these disease processes because they definitely overlap. And anyone that works in mental health will tell you that. And sometimes it may take a couple, two, three visits of us talking with you, asking questions and getting the truthful answer. Mm -hmm. And let me put this little plug in here. If you're visiting a mental health professional, please, please, please be honest with them Mm -hmm. and tell them the whole story because we cannot make the best decision and offer you the best advice for you if we don't know what you're going through and understand all of it. Um, So to make that best decision, please, please be honest with them. Don't hold back. Uh, You're not going to scare us. You're not going to (laughs) shock us, I assure you. Uh, Anyone that's been doing this for several years, uh, there's not anything that you could tell me that would just... Not mm-hmm. my socks off or I mm-hmm. couldn't help you. Yeah. Um, and so keep that in mind. But see that healthcare professional so we can help make that best decision for you. Sometimes it is going to be medication, like you said, to help get you started. And, and our goal is six months or less if possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want people to stay on medication because it does have a negative connotation. But if you go to your um, nurse practitioner, family nurse practitioner, or physician, and they start you on blood pressure medicine because your blood pressure is 200 over 100 and they're afraid you're going to have a stroke, right. hopefully you're going to take that medicine. So if you come to us and we say, look, you seem depressed, let's start you on this low dose of this medication to help you right now and get you into counseling and let's deal with what's bothering you. Mm-hmm. And then we can back off that medication once we agree that you're feeling better. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's important. Um, and I don't want people to be scared of the medication and the connotation. And this is my public plea to everyone out there is let's stop making mental health a taboo subject. It's got to go away. It's mainstream. Uh, We've had plenty of um, celebrities now through the recent years that have come out and said that they've had a mental illness. And um, many of the reports, people have been thankful to them uh, to understand that someone that's um, in the in the news a lot, semi-famous or famous, has some of the same issues that they have, and it makes other people feel better. It makes more people aware of they're not alone. And many times with mental illnesses, you feel like you're the only person in the history of the world Mm -hmm. that this has ever happened to. And that's that's a very bad feeling, but you're not. There are millions of other people that either have faced are facing or will face something very similar to you. And um, there's help out there that we can go through and, and get you some help. Right. You know, and as a, not a mental health provider, but as, you know, general practice for 
over a decade and then now moving into more lifestyle medicine um, and evaluation. Every single patient that comes in to see me for lifestyle medicine gets um, an initial kind of mental health behavioral screen where we ask questions that point us toward possible diagnoses of depression or anxiety or insomnia and, and sleep issues related to that. And I mean, it is so much more common than what we think about when we're just thinking about it in our head, especially like you mentioned a mention ago a minute ago where people think I'm the only one who feels like this. Gosh, I mean, the majority of people that I see are having issues with either depression depression or with anxiety or with the combination of the two, you know, and from my perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, we've got to get those issues taken care of before we can even move into, you know, what we're eating and how much activity we're doing. And, you know, those types that most folks generally come to see me in lifestyle medicine about. Um, But, you know, we got to get you kind of reset as far as your motivation to be able to do things in your energy level, because all of those are affected by anxiety and depression before we worried about, you know, fruits before cookies, you know, it's just, we got to get that situation fixed first. And just like you mentioned with blood pressure, you know, if somebody comes in to see me and they've got a blood pressure of 200 over a hundred, I'm starting medicine now to keep you from having a stroke right now. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to then counsel you about, things that we can do with your lifestyle and what we're eating and how much we're moving to treat that blood pressure. Same deal with a mental health disorder. We may have to start medication because we're trying to kind of reset that chemistry right now, but we're also going to pick up on that counseling piece and help give you strategies to deal with things that come your way. And that's really what a lot of therapy or counseling sessions are in particular cognitive behavioral therapy which cognitive the way you think behavior the way you act and so they're they're connected to each other what we think drives what we do and how we handle things and so we're going to take a quick break when we come back i want to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy a little bit more and um, some things that we can do from a non-medicine standpoint if we feel like we're having some issues with depression and anxiety so if you want to join in our conversation our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 and my email is fit at mpbonline.org we'll be back after the break This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Goodwell, nurse practitioner at UMC, and here in the studio with me today is Dr. Carl Mangum, also a nurse practitioner at UMC, but of the psychiatric mental health variety. And that's what we're talking about today is mental health, and in particular, depression and anxiety, as well as suicide prevention. And we would love the opportunity to talk with you today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. You can always send me an email and we can answer your question that way. All right, before we went on the break, we had just been talking about the general overall stigma associated with uh, mental health issues and 
you know, how we've got to overcome that in today's society because there are so many folks out there that are dealing with um, whether a, you know, a diagnosable mental health issue or just struggling trying to find coping strategies on dealing with everyday life that's getting thrown at you. And we talked a little bit about medicines and we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the main ones that are out there as far uh, as antidepressants and things for anxiety. But I wanted to talk about the counseling piece or the therapy piece that's associated with um, mental health. And the big one that we hear talked about a lot is cognitive behavioral therapy. What is cognitive behavioral therapy? Well, cognitive behavioral therapy or uh CBT, which which you'll hear a lot, especially on the medical side. Um, It's where we work with someone to um, talk about and think about and realize how they're thinking. And the idea is to change the way you think about things so your behavior changes. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear a lot of times you want to change people's attitude. Well, really, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how you think. And um, just some examples of um, irrational versus rational thought. Uh, People say, uh, well, that's awful. How awful that happened to me. Um, Other things that you could say that are more rational would be like, well, that was disappointing or that didn't turn out the way I I thought I wanted it. Um, Other things like um, um, you say things like, um, this uh, should not be happening to me. Um, but many times we have to understand that it does happen to mm-hmm. us. And we have to understand since it did, what do I need to do to make things better right. or to correct things or however, depending on the situation. Uh, and things like um, people say, well, I'm just a failure. I, I'm not good at anything. But that's not it. You, you need to look that I'm a person that, that sometimes doesn't um, – Get it right. Get it right. <laughs> uh, how many times do you look at these entrepreneurs on television, different shows that say, you know, I was fired 29 times. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Hoda Copy on mm-hmm. the Today Show said she was fired 28 times before she was actually hired to the right, right job. Right. And it's one of those things is you're not a failure. And the idea of CBT is to get you to reprogram how you think about things. Most things in life are are not as awful as we think they are. Um, one of the things that I use with with people and even my own family to talk about is, you know, this awful thing has happened to you. Will it matter ten years from now? Mm-hmm. If it won't, why are we worrying about it now? Will it matter five, one year? Will it matter tomorrow? And many of the things we face in our life, we can ask, is it going to matter at lunch today? Is it going to matter by supper this afternoon? If it's not, why are you so worked up about it? And you need to refocus how you're thinking about the situation. And you tend to find that you're making that mountain out of the proverbial molehill Mm -hmm. over something that you probably can't change anyway. And learning to accept and learning to put it in the proper category Retraining your mind how you think about these things leads to better outcomes and just plain simple, you feel better. Right. And I can't overemphasize enough that that's not an easy retraining of the brain. So it is not the stop thinking that way because that's silly. Um, That is not how. This takes time and effort. Right. It's not how this goes. Um, But, you know, in particular, CBT tends to work very well for the anxiety disorders like you were kind of talking about. What I see people, um, the thought pattern that they have is the worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Um, something maybe something legitimately has gone wrong and so you've kind of had that bubble burst on the life is wonderful and only happy good things happen in these situations and so now when other situations creep up that could potentially have a negative outcome but are more than likely not going to your brain automatically goes to that right. worst case scenario so you know i myself had uh, you know a lot of difficulty with that if you've you've been a listener of the show for a while um you may remember the the story that i shared last year actually about the loss of my middle child as a stillborn baby and so you know pregnancy is one of those times that most folks associate with being very happy and very magical and you know you see the little lines on the 
pregnancy test and we're going to have a baby, right? And you start to make plans about what we're going to paint the nursery and, you know, where they're going to go to school and what they're going to wear for their first Christmas and all of those things because that's the intended outcome is to have this nice healthy baby. But the reality of it is that's not always what happens. And so for me, that that bubble was was burst, you know, and so it became very apparent that just because you get pregnant doesn't always mean you get that happy ending at the end. And so the subsequent pregnancy that I had afterwards, which is now my seven-year-old little heathen who I adore and love with everything in my body, um, that that pregnancy with him was very hard and I had to learn how to rethink about things that every twinge wasn't necessarily a sign that he had died or you know if it had been more than 30 minutes since I felt him move it didn't mean that disaster had struck because without building in the that retraining of the way that you think about things you would just live in a state of panic for and, Nine and, months. And imagine you know? how, I know it's hard for us to imagine, it's hard for me to imagine someone feeling that way 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. seven days a mm-hmm. week, and it, it's got to be miserable. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's why a lot of folks who are having issues, sometimes it starts out with this overwhelming anxiety, and then the anxiety leads to the depression because you don't feel like you're ever going to stop feeling like your heart's going to explode you will but you you don't feel like you're ever going to feel better and so you, the depression sets in and then all you want to do is sleep and so because that's your escape of feeling like you're going to explode is to go to sleep and the nature of the disease though is that even it, it will invade your sleep and wake you up with anxiety attacks and all of that kind of stuff yeah. so you know just curling up in a ball is not the answer to that, um, we've got to address the the issues. And for some, that's medication. For some, that's therapy. For some, it's a combination of the two. Um, but even folks that are not getting treatment yet or that are struggling in treatment, you know, things that helped me were making very short lists of tasks to accomplish because after the baby died like I didn't want to do anything. I mean, I didn't want to take a bath. I didn't want to go you know, go get something to eat. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to lay there and wallow. But making, and and the thought of getting up and doing those things was very overwhelming because you think I got to take a bath. I got to fix my hair. I got to put makeup on. I got to fit this picture of what somebody is supposed to look like to be a functioning member of society. So you just make little short lists like, okay, you go brush your teeth. And that's, that's your goal for, you know, the next 30 minutes is just go brush your dang teeth, you know. And then it's put on some pants, and then it's brush your hair, then it's eat some breakfast. You know, take it step by step instead of being overwhelmed by all the things that have to occur to get better. Um, you just got to take it one little one little nibble at a time as you go through there. And it's it's not easy. And you know, for the families that are dealing with people who are struggling with anxiety and depression can be hard because they don't know, they don't know the sensation. If you've never had, if you've never had a problem with anxiety or depression, there's no way to adequately describe what that sensation feels like. The closest I would say to being able to describe it is if you've had the death of a loved one or a pet, that grief that you feel that's actually a physical sensation of something inside of you hurting that's the same physical sensation of pain that people who are, are stuck in, you know, the cycle of anxiety and depression, they, they feel that too. Um, but it's very, very hard to describe to, to individuals that have not had that problem. And that's a very good point, and I'm glad you brought it up because you have to understand that this is real pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a physical pain also, not only the mental side of it. And one of the things that um, I want to make sure people understand, the friends and family of the person that's going through that, there are good things to say to the person, and there are very bad right. things to say to the person. And, um, you know, you can talk to, um, you know, healthcare provider again and say, hey, I need some pointers. I'm dealing with my sister or my brother or my husband, wife, whatever. Um, and I need to know how to help them because right. 
most of us want to be helpful. We don't want to say the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And there are many good intending people out there that say the completely wrong things Mm -hmm. uh, to people that are going through this. And uh, there's always help. Um, There are certain sites on the Internet that you can go to naturally. Uh, But as always, we caution everything you read on the Internet. You need to from a reputable um, uh, organization or person to make sure that you're saying and doing the right right things. And, and it's important that, that we support the person. And you have to understand they're not getting better tomorrow. Right. Uh, even if we started them on medication, most of our medications are going to take six to eight weeks before they reach their full potential. Right. Right. And you really see a large change in the person. Uh, you may see some improvements over a few days, the first week maybe. Uh, but again, with, with most of those medications, it's going to take six to eight weeks. And then you throw the counseling in. Counseling may last for months or mm-hmm. years. And uh, depending on what the person's going through or have lived through, uh, it, it, you just have to give them time. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for the rest of us that feel air quote normal uh, <laughs> that uh, this person needs to suck it up and move on. Uh, how many times have I heard people say that to people that were hurting? And um, it's quite difficult to, to to even continue with things with people saying things like that to you. Yeah, It's yeah. just, um, it's bad. There, yeah, there's definitely a list of things uh, not to say to people that are, are struggling with that. And so sometimes the best option is just not to say anything. It's... I'm here if you want to talk to me about absolutely anything and then shut up, you know. So um, here in America in particularly, we're kind of uncomfortable with silence, um, you know, and so people feel like they need to be filling it with something. And certainly we have to fill it on the radio because you can't not talk on the radio. But Active listening as a technique is very, very important um, from a healthcare provider standpoint, as well as just your loved ones. Just saying, I'm here for you to talk. No judgments, just talk to me. And when you say that to a person, you need to be prepared because for the things no, that they say. Yeah. Uh, I've said it many, many right. times to people, and and sometimes I got a different answer than what I thought was going mm-hmm. to be coming out. And I thought they were just having a bad day. And the next thing I know, I find out that they're suicidal. Right. And um, But that's okay. If you're being that loving, true friend or relative, mm-hmm. um, you should want to know those things so you can give them help right. um, as they need it. But you're right. You, you've got to um, ask the question and then be quiet. Right. And give them time to formulate a response because some of the things that they're going to want to say that are just trying to claw their way out of them are frightening to say out loud. Because when you say it out loud, it becomes not the thing that was in your head. It becomes the thing that now is is public knowledge and it makes it feel more real to them. So if they're having suicidal thoughts, that's a scary thing to finally push out and say that, yeah, I want to die, you and, know, or I feel like killing myself. Those are many big things to say. That, that's exactly right. And many times that I have people that look at me and say, well, look, I don't want to say anything because it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say those exact words and you know, all the negative things that come with it. I've had them say that too. Uh, but then I have to remind them, this is a disease process. And unless we know and understand what's going on. We can't make help you feel right. better. Right. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about what to do when someone does voice, voice those things like they they have a plan or a thought about hurting themselves. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back after the break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and here in the studio with me today is Dr. Carl Mangum, and we are talking about depression and anxiety and suicide prevention today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 My email is fit at I would love to hear from you in any of those ways today. Um, and we've been talking about kind of how we have conversations with those who may have issues with, uh, may have mental health issues and how we respond to those. And then sometimes we just need to hush and let people talk. And, but when we, we open ourselves up to doing that, to hushing and let people talk, we've got to be able to back that up with helping them once they disclose whatever types of um, issues that they may be having. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute, but we do have a caller in Brickhaven that I want to get to, and uh, that is Stephanie. Good morning, Stephanie. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I thoroughly enjoyed the show this morning. I'm here listening to you from work, and it touched a chord with me because I'm dealing with everything and pretty much making a checklist, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. But one issue that I was, I'm going to hang up and ask you all to kind of expound on okay. is with alcoholism when that person and I have a relative mm-hmm. it's made for a matter of fact is my daughter and I'm helping raising her child and we've taken her in we've gone to counseling we've done the 12-step program we've gone to Al-Anon we've done all of that but she still can get a hold of the straight vodka which mm-hmm. I know goes straight to the brain and you have the compatible spirit so it kind of like snowballs with mm-hmm. all what you're talking about that they go through the depression the anxiety but now you're dealing with the anger that wants to fight i know mm-hmm. some people just go to sleep when they drink alcohol but i'm with uh how to deal with like you say be quiet mm-hmm. that you won't go to sleep you want to fight right. you know how do one deal with that and you can't get a 38 year old to go to the, uh, you know, to get help. They really don't think they have a problem. Right, right. All right, so I'm going to let Dr. Mangum start off with that. Well, that's a very good question. And um, alcoholism and drug use throughout the United States is a a major issue. Um, I can't stress how big it is. Um, And um, I know it doesn't help you, but uh, Stephanie, but uh, there are thousands of people throughout the country that are dealing and facing uh, this very similar thing that you are. Um, Until a person that uses drugs and alcohol wants help, there's not a lot we can do for them. Um, Even um, most of the time, uh, people go through more than one program that that end up um, successful in in beating those habits. Um, And it's quite difficult when they don't think anything is wrong with them. And we face that throughout mental health, not just with the drug and alcohol issues, but with um, other diagnoses. If the person doesn't think anything's wrong with them, how do you get them to go to treatment or take medication or or do the right thing? And it's quite difficult. Um, I'm sorry, I do not have a single answer for you. I will say that you need just to continue um, uh, offering help and doing what you can. Um, one of the things that many people do that they are in enablers, they actually make it where the person can get the drug or alcohol. Uh, they actually help them out, give them more money, give them more things. And they say, well, if I don't, they'll find another way to do it. That may be true, but at least you're not directly uh, helping them with that. And sometimes um, I hear many people say, well, I don't I don't want them to do this anymore, uh, but I don't want to help them either, but I'm afraid they'll do something worse. Um, the thing when dealing with adults is um, we are in a free country, and they can come and go as they please and do what they want until it becomes illegal or they cause harm to someone else. Um, and then that's where the society steps in and starts drawing the lines. Um, it, it's quite difficult uh, to uh, 
get that person back into treatment, especially if they've already been once. Uh, many people that I know and I've dealt with have been several times to different types of treatment. And until the person really wants to change, um, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, just um, keep loving her. I will say that. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of piggybacking on what Dr. Mangum said is, you know, just like not every medicine is right for every person, not every program is right for right. every person. And so it may take, um, you know, several tries or several programs to find the one that sparks that change in in her, you know. And oftentimes people that have turned to alcohol or pain medication or illicit drugs, it's to treat some the pain that's inside of them because when they're using those substances, that's when the pain goes away. So it's a form of self self medication actually. So, you know, when looking for a program, it needs to be one that is comprehensive and not only just looking at, you know, the, the, the chemical dependency side of it, but also the uh, mental health side of it, as far as do we have, you know, a Depressive disorder and anxiety disorder that they're trying to numb with the use of these medications. And, and I'm glad you uh, said that. One of the things that I want to make sure people understand is from the psychiatric side, um, the first thing we look at is there a physical thing that's causing this? Mm-hmm. And if it's a physical thing, usually once we deal with the physical things, the psychological thing gets better. Second of all would be drugs and alcohol. Because if a person is using drugs and alcohol to cover that pain, they think to make things feel better, we have to treat the drug and alcohol to get that out of their system where they're not using. Then we can deal with the thing causing the pain, the the depression and or anxiety. Um, And so it's important that 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 is worked on. But it may not be the problem. It may be a symptom of what the real problem Mm -hmm. is. But once they get to using it, they may become addicted to it, and that's what the only way they see out of it is to continue to use it, mm-hmm. and um, it, that's what makes it so difficult. Yeah. All right, Stephanie, um, I hope that we gave you some things to think about and ponder over. If you need somebody to talk to, you need more information, you can always send me an email, fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll try and put you into contact with some of my resources that I have for dealing with this as well. All right, we're going to move on uh, to Hattiesburg and talk with Mike this morning. Hello, Mike. Good morning. How are you all this morning? We're doing okay. How are you? I'm fine. I have struggled with depression my whole life. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to admit it to myself. got multiple degrees, one in counseling, still wouldn't admit it. And I'm a living testimonial to modern pharmaceuticals. But mm-hmm. what I wanted to say is that Folks that are in, in my family, this is not a good phrase, but when you're inside the crazy, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're depressed, when you're um, in a really sl- bad slump, that's reality. Right. And a lot of folks don't understand when they look at somebody and they're depressed or they have a problem that that person's reality is that everything is, is dark, that everything is impossible, mm-hmm. that the world is out to get them. And you have to understand that since that's the reality, it's perfectly logical to them and somewhat unassailable. Mm-hmm. You can't come in and say everything you think is wrong. It's like people that knock on your door to tell you the real religion. Well, no, no, I have mine, you have yours. Mm-hmm. I have my reality, you have yours. And you have to work within that shell. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that that person is in that shell, in that world, and that world is real to them. Yep. So you have to help them find the openings to get out into a larger world. A little bit of a victory, a little bit of confidence, mm-hmm. but to understand that. And and it's much like, to me, um, alcoholism itself. We've had addiction problems in my family, and if you don't want out, you're not going to come out. If that's your sanctuary, I'm sorry. This is where I'm going to be. Right. I understand this world. It's miserable, but I can live here. You can have yours. And that's that's my point. These people are not choosing right. necessarily to be in a world that you see as illogical or as damaging or crazy. It's just where they have found themselves. 
and they believe it mm-hmm. against it's like faith they believe it against evidence so that's what i got well i appreciate you for for calling and sharing that because i know it's not easy to talk about those things um when you've lived in that dark place um and but you've sounds like you have crawled your way out and made your way out but it's not something that ever goes away i'm sure you deal with you know things that creep back up and try and drag you back down sometimes um but we're glad that you I'm, called I'm, yes I'm a, I'm a bit of an artist i'm a musician i have all the mood swings and crazies that go with that <laughs> and, and crazy people but i finally found two people that could help me one is as a psychiatrist who mm-hmm. was really almost almost I, I, you know, I, I guess gifted is the term in, in how he helps get your, your medicinal cocktail together. Mm-hmm. And the other is a, con, uh, a counselor that I can trust. Yeah. And that's, that relationship's hard to build. It is. It is. And you can't do it by yourself. You can't bull your way out. That's right. This is, this is you have to have someone that will reach a hand out and help pull you out of that dark hole. Yep. And then you start getting better. Yep. I, shoot, I take handfuls of, of things to balance me out for social anxiety and depression, and the world is a wonderful place. It's as much a chemical issue with some people, and and I'm pretty sure that is with me, as it is an emotional one. You have to just say, you know, I just may need some adjustment. That's right. We thank you for sharing that with us this morning, Mike. We really appreciate that, and I hope that the listeners out there really take what you said to heart and find some hope in the, that statement as well. So you have a gr- right. yeah, you have a great Monday, okay? Thank y'all. You're Bye-bye. welcome. All right, we are going to go um, to Jackson and talk with Charles this morning. Hello, Charles. Hello. I'd like to make some suggestions. Sure about what not to say to some people, particularly people who are grieving. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the main suggestions I'd like to make it, the thing is this touches on theology, so you have to be very careful uh, that you don't step on somebody's toes or tell them something that's going to be contrary to what their religious beliefs are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I lost a brother many years ago, and I would think that about three-fourths of the people who spoke to me told me how either one of one of these uh, uh, sentences, um, your brother is in a better place. Right. Uh, we can't question what God does. God knows best. Well, I think both of those statements are very presumptuous, even if you're in the same uh, faith group. But uh, I've known many people who rebelled against God, so to speak, because they lost somebody and then were filled with statements like that. And uh, it makes one guy told me, if God's like that, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Well, you know, I realize this is very sensitive and I think you, but I just think you need to be careful about about bringing religious certainty to someone unless you're in the same faith group, because it may not be well received. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that statement. You know, now of course my you know my faith is in God as a Christian, but the statement that I got a lot after my child passed was, um, "God doesn't give you more than you can carry or more than you can handle." And while it was well-meaning, um, meant to meant to tell me how strong I was, um, you know, one, it's okay to not be. Sh- Wrong in those situations, and you know, if you've uh, never lost a child, um, it, it is more than you can carry. Um, it is more than you would ever hope to want to carry, and it truly is more than you can carry. Now, um, not saying I wasn't very um, angry um, with God at that point in time, and you know, wanted to question what what, what the heck was going on, but at that time, I did realize that. He does give you more than you can carry, and that was his call for me to let him help me carry it. Um, but, you know, those are, are things that initially, you know, they, they actually break your heart a little bit more when folks say those those things to you. Um, so we do have to be careful, and so that's why sometimes the best thing you can just say is, I'm sorry. Um, 
can I help you in any way? What can I do to help you? Um, you know, and sometimes they don't know. They're they're so you're so stuck in your grief or in your depression that you don't know what it is that you can do to help me. Um, but um, and so that may mean you don't do anything right now. But six months down the road, when everybody else has forgotten that um, you still wake up with that pain every day, now send them some flowers or send them you know a fruit arrangement or you know send them a gift card for their favorite restaurant or something just to let them know that I remember that this happened to you I'm still sorry that it happened to you and I'm still here if you need anything at all Um, and those can be really powerful things you know the the people that come back to me um, actually my my daughter's birthday was last month she would have been eight and the people that post on you know my social media just I remembered today was her birthday I'm sending you love Um, you know I will never forget her birthday but to know that there are other people out there who remember that she lived and um that cared enough to to say her name out loud is very powerful um, yeah that's one of the things that we teach is don't tell people don't say well it's god's will right. or uh, you know things like that you might as well just walk up and slap the person oh, right. be about the punch same. them in the gut because right. that's about it, what it, it feels it, like it's about the same thing yeah. um but one of the you know important things to add on to what he's saying is just say i'm praying for you mm-hmm. then here's the catch Actually, pray for them. Right. Okay. That's Don't the just thing. say it. That's right. Because and and God does put more stuff on us sometimes that we can handle. But that's so you turn to Jesus mm-hmm. and you get that help that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I thank you for calling um, Charles to to bring that up. And it's a very important thing. And I actually have this discussion with many people uh, throughout the years that hey, sometimes the best thing is say I love you. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm here for you. And then back that up somewhere down the road. Right. And and that is uh, totally true. Yep. All right. So that hour went by super quick and we are out of time for this episode of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'd like to thank Dr. Carl Mangum for joining me today with uh, a heavy topic, but one that we are proud to bring to you and talk with you today. And thank all of our callers for sharing um, some emotional stories with us today. I look forward to um, speaking with you and talking with you next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And I'd also like to thank my fantastic producer, Jay White for an awesome show this Monday morning. And remember to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.